Hey, this is Neil Mackay, your host of a Vietnam podcast. Now, before we get started on this episode, I wanted to share with you about one of my favorite affiliate partners, and that is Fiverr. I've been using Fiverr for years for everything from ordering YouTube thumbnails to keyword research, writing podcast articles, even to Canva designs and thumbnails and more. So whether you're a budding entrepreneur, a podcaster, or anyone in between, Fiverr has got you covered. It really is the go-to platform if you want to find freelancers offering a massive range of services to help you on any project. Maybe you need a stunning new logo or just a short animation, whatever you need, you can find it on Fiverr. What I love the most is how easy Fiverr makes it to connect with talented freelancers from around the world, all at prices that will fit whatever your budget is. Plus, with Fiverr's secure payment system, you can trust that your transactions are safe and secure. No dodgy people you meet on Facebook groups that disappear with your money and never give you what you want. What, that's only happened to me? As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you use the link and at no extra cost to you. As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you click my link and you buy something, all at no extra cost to you. And best of all, you will be directly supporting the making of this podcast that you're listening to for free, but it is not free to make. So why we head over to somewhere that you've probably never been before. It's called the show notes. So whatever app you're listening in, if it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anything at all, head to the show notes, click on my special link, and then you can browse thousands of gigs ready to help you with your next project. And now, let's dive into today's episode. Let's go. This is a brand new show from 7 Million Bikes Podcast, the Vietnam is Awesome Podcast. I'll be talking to people from all over Vietnam working in tourism, bars, resorts, hotels, nightlife and more to share with you experiences that prove Vietnam is awesome. While a Vietnam podcast is on break right now, I'll be sharing these episodes with you so that you can discover the real Vietnam. Whether you currently live here already, want to come visit or see more of this amazing country. In this episode... My guest is the editor-in-chief of Vietnam is Awesome. He's also lived here for six years and he's traveled to many iconic and off-the-beaten-track locations in Vietnam with some stunning photos to show for it. He's also married and lives in Da Nang with his wife Fung and his little dog Lily. My guest today is Alan Brownbridge. Follow the Vietnam is Awesome Facebook page for curated updates from our team and travelers to Vietnam to make the most of your time here. And check out their website, vietnamisawesome.com, to discover more awesome experiences. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. I'm your host, Neil Mackay from 7 Million Bytes. We produce and host podcasts worldwide, including this one, and host events in Saigon. These events are perfect for people looking for something to do in the evening in Saigon. 
join me at the Rabbit Hole Irish Sports Bar every Tuesday night for our quiz night. You can enjoy some local craft beer, delicious bar food, and join our fun quiz night with fun people. This is not for brainiacs. It's a fun quiz with rounds about movies, celebrities, music, TV, current events, more, and Vietnam, of course. There's amazing prizes to be won, including a bar voucher, beer tower, and a free ticket to our comedy show every Thursday night. So if you are here on Thursday, then join me at Eddie's New York Deli and Diner in District 1, just minutes from Saigon Center. They serve authentically American cuisine in their original 1950s style diner. Perfect for those American tourists missing some home comfort food or anyone who loves burgers, burritos, beer and more. We'll be there every Thursday for the Tourist Trap stand-up comedy show. Learn and laugh about life in Vietnam with Saigon's funniest comedians. The link is in the show notes to let us know you're coming. I look forward to seeing you there. I'll be the tall, skinny Scottish guy talking into the microphone. Come and say hello and let me know how your trip's going. I hope you enjoy this podcast and it proves that Vietnam is awesome. Cheers. Welcome to the Vietnam is Awesome podcast. We're going to help you discover the real Vietnam with awesome experiences. I'm Neil Mackay, your host, and I've lived in Vietnam since 2016. I'm the host of a Vietnam podcast, a comedian, and a brand ambassador for Vietnam is Awesome. I came to Vietnam for a two-week vacation in 2015 and was immediately taken by the beauty, friendliness, energy, and even the quirks of Vietnam. I came back in 2016 with my wife for just six weeks and more than six years later, we're still here. In this podcast, I'll be talking to people from all over Vietnam, working in tourism, bars, resorts, hotels, nightlife, and more to share with you experiences that prove Vietnam is awesome. In this episode, my guest is the editor-in-chief of Vietnam is Awesome. He's also lived here for six years and he's traveled to many iconic and off the beaten track locations in Vietnam with some stunning photos to show for it. He's also married and lives in Da Nang with his wife Fung and his little dog Lily. My guest today is Alan Brownbridge. Thanks for coming on your own podcast. Thanks for having me here. So you've been here six years the same as me. So how did you end up coming here? I came here first because my friends told me that it was a great place to live and before that I was living in Canada and that was coming to an end my visa was coming to an end there so I needed to have another adventure when I landed in Ho Chi Minh City I thought oh I'll just be here do my teaching uh, certificate and then I'll be off somewhere else and then how did you end up being the editor-in-chief of Vietnam is awesome I don't know how I came across it but I came across the Vietnam is Awesome social media group. I guess I needed advice to travel and live in Vietnam and somebody suggested I join this group. And I was just a, a bystander for a while, posted some photos, things like that. But then the editor-in-chief at that time, he wanted some travel writers and he posted on a group that would anyone like to write for Vietnam is Awesome. And I took a chance. I wasn't really that confident as a writer. I'd never been a writer before. So I started writing and I just got more and more into it. 
more and more passionate about Ryan Singh and I started taking photos, my articles. And then I started writing more and I started taking photos for my articles as well. And I guess it was awesome. Just thought that I'd be a good fit for the team. And that was a few years ago now. And I've really loved my role in this company. It's very exciting to be part of this. I get to talk to people like you and I get to help other people travel in Vietnam. That's really passionate. So as a, an expat and a sometime tourist, then tell people listening, people are hopefully listening to this podcast because they want to find out more about Vietnam. They're thinking about coming here. They want to hear from the people like you that are on the ground. Tell someone why should they visit Da Nang? What is there to do when they come to Vietnam? Well, when they come to Da Nang, I think the first thing people should do is go jump in the ocean. It's absolutely beautiful. It's very clean. One of the cleanest beaches I've seen in the world and almost definitely in Vietnam. It's really stunning. It's got great views of the mountains around it. But if you're not really into the beach, then there's some hiking you can do in Sontra Mountain. And there's another small temple area called Marble Mountain. So if you feel quite active, you can hike up a couple of mountains and see some great views from there. And there's also loads of restaurants and bars that are alongside the beach. So amazing to have a date at night. There's also some really, there's a really good live music scene here as well. My favorite is the bar called The Trip on a Thursday night. Very good. Yeah. It's mostly rock music. The people that come to expats like me, it's usually the same people and they're just absolutely amazing musicians. Now, Da Nang, the city itself, I've been many times. I feel like it's almost two cities in one, but correct me if I'm wrong, because you've got the main Da Nang city, which I have barely spent a minute in. And then you have the beachside area with the expatty area. And I'm, a, I'm an expat immigrant, whatever you want to call that. And so when I've been there, I've been mostly because I've been near the beach. But then over the last couple of years, I've watched this expat area grow, which to me just means more kind of Western bars and restaurants, coffee shops and things like this that sell smashed avocado. I mean, that's the definition of an expat area. As soon as you see smashed avocado on toast, and a cappuccino being sold and you're in the expat area. What's that area called again? Uh, me and. So explain to anyone listening, because am I correct in saying that there's almost two cities within Da Nang? There's like one side of the river and one, and then the other side? Yeah, that's right. And I'm the same as you. I haven't really gone into the city side that much. I have sometimes. My wife's business is located there. So I go to a small part of that area, but there's still so much to explore there. I'm kind of not really that interested in it. I'm more interested in the beach side, which has the expat bars and restaurants, but there's also a lot of Vietnamese, really good Vietnamese restaurants and bars in and around the expat area, Mian. So you said you don't really go to the other side of the city that much because you love the beach, but what is there to do in there? Or is it just mainly when tourists come to Da Nang, they really only see that beachside Mian area? Or again, am I wrong on that? No, you're right on that. I think it does depend on the sort of traveler. A lot of... Travelers will go to the beach side, the Mi An area. There are a lot of business travelers that will go into the city side and they like to stay around the river. There's some really good things to do around there. There's some river cruises you can do. There's some art galleries and things like that as well. I think usually Western tourists will come into the Mi An area 
but I have seen a lot of uh, Koreans and Japanese. There's some like Korea towns and Japanese towns in that city side that cater for those sort of tourists. And Da Nang is known, if I can remember correctly, the city of seven bridges. Is that right? Oh, uh, the answer is probably obvious, but do you want to tell us about why yeah. it's called the city of seven bridges? I guess it's because the seven bridges that cross over the Han River, and each one is stunning. I think the architecture in Da Nang is, is really nice. They've spent a lot of time to think about the infrastructure here, because I think the Government really wanted to develop a lot in the future and to be a commercial center and a tourist center as well. And uh, yeah, those bridges, they are, there's a lot of investment into those bridges because of the trade that comes through to now from the ports and things like that. But uh, yeah, every time I drive over the bridge, I just look around, it's just beautiful. One of the best bridges and the most famous is the Dragon Bridge. And I bet anyone that's done any research on Vietnam or, or Da Nang has seen this bridge. It's not, the, it's not the one with the hands, not that one. That's Golden Bridge. That's another famous one. But the Dragon Bridge is in the center of Da Nang. It crosses over the Han River and it has this like massive statue of the dragon that kind of goes up and down. His body goes up and down along the bridge and at, the, at one end there's a tail. The other end, there's a head. And on Friday and Saturday nights at about 9 p.m., the dragon will breathe fire. Amazing. It's unbelievable. It's, it's just definitely one of the coolest bridges you could ever imagine. You're in this city and then suddenly there's this beautiful dragon. Mm, yeah. And if you're there at 9 o'clock and you can watch it, there's loads of bars nearby where you can sit and have a beer while you watch the fire show. But you can almost feel the heat coming from the dragon's breath. It's very exciting. Yeah, for sure. The last time I was there, I watched it from one of my favorite breweries. If anyone knows me, I'm a big craft beer fan. It's And their name, you can tell where they're from. Their name is Seven Bridges Brewery. Mm. So they're a Denang-based craft brewery. And I think that location might have moved. Again, things move so quickly. I think the last time we were there, it wasn't there anymore. But last time I was there, we, they had a location right on the river. You could sit at the bar, have a beer and watch this fire show coming out of the dragon's mouth. And you're just like, this is, this is incredible. One of the great things about Da Nang is you can explore so many different areas around there. So not only is it an amazing city to, to visit and to live in, it's a great point to explore from there. So tell us some of the other areas around Da Nang that you can travel to, uh, and including, as you mentioned, the famous Golden Hands Bridge. With the uh, Golden Hands Bridge, that's up in Banner Hills, and that's like a kind of like a theme park, and that's quite a good day trip. It's a whole day trip to go up there. But I would, if you go up there, I'd bring a jumper or a jacket with you because it's much higher than the rest of Da Nang, and you've got a good view from there. And you can spend the whole day there, go into little like themed areas and they've got some games there as well. Another day trip is to go to Hoi An, some Da Nang. That's only about 30 minutes drive away. So I've been to Banner Hills and you are underplaying it. It is absolutely spectacular. It is one of the most amazing places I've ever been to. Way high up in the mountains, you've got to get a massive cable car up there. There's not just some games, there's like an amusement <laughs> There's roller coasters, there's a luge ride. And then one of the, the most amazing things, I think, is they have a French village. And I've been told about it, and I've been told it's cheesy and it's gaudy and it's rubbish. And then we went, and I just was blown away by it. It's obviously fake, but it is still amazing. And then you have to think in the context, 
Not many Vietnamese people are going to go to France or Eastern Europe, see that style of architecture. So to be able to provide that for them, that they can come and see what a French village would have looked like and to experience it and walk about. When we did it, it was really cloudy. We stayed overnight up there. So we were walking about in the clouds and it was all moist and damp and wet. And I just thought the people who talked down upon it, I thought it was just a bit snobby. I thought it was an unbelievable experience. It was cool. And if you think of the context of people from Vietnam don't travel much, then I think it's even cooler. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I do think it is cheesy, but it's, it's not so bad. It's not a negative thing. And I think it is somewhat authentic. I think Banner Hills was a French barracks or something like that in the past. And it was like a, a retreat area for the French. And then the, the Golden Hands Bridge itself as well is one of the most iconic images of Vietnam now, which again, the speed of development in Vietnam, I'm pretty sure that didn't exist when I first came here six years ago, seven years ago when I first came here. It's as amazing in real life as the pictures. That's what, when we got there, we were like, whoa, like you, you see the pictures of the hands, they are massive. Again, it's fake stone, but it doesn't look that fake. The bridge is spectacular and the view from the bridge is unbelievable. So one of my recommendations would be think about staying the night in there's a, I think there's only one hotel up there, maybe two. If you can stay the night because you can get up first thing in the morning before the first cable car comes and before the tour, the day tourists start to come up. And when my wife and I were there, we got the whole bridge to ourselves. So again, spectacular pictures. You can get it to enjoy it all by yourself. And so, yeah, the bridge is definitely one of these things where it's an iconic tourist picture, but it's, it's every bit as good as what you in the pictures. Mm, yeah, the view from there is great, isn't it? I think you get in when you see the pictures, you don't get the whole context of the you know, the French colonial town behind you, and you're right on the edge of the mountain side that overlooks all of Da Nang and the whole region. I think on a good day you can see the beach from there, but it must be like a hundred kilometers or more. Yeah, but and as I said as well, we were also there when it was cloudy, so you couldn't see five feet in front of your face. So it's yeah, it's, you have to take it the good view. You need the clear day as well. So then tell us what else is around around Danang. So we got Banner Hills. Yeah, and then we have Hoi An. Hoi An is another iconic place in Vietnam that I'm sure if you've done any research about Vietnam, you would have seen. That's probably the first pictures you would have seen. It's famous for lanterns and really traditional style houses that I think 500 years old. There's a famous, another bridge there, the Japanese bridge. That's yep. four or 500 years old and uh, still going. If anyone has any Vietnamese money to hand check the 20,000 dong note and it's the bridges on the back of that, which I always love to take people there and get a picture holding the note with the bridge behind you. Thanks. But obviously, so Hoi An is so famous in itself. I think we could do a whole podcast just on Hoi An. But so what else? Can you explore from Da Nang? From Da Nang, you can go and get a train to Hue, which is the old imperial city of Vietnam. That's where the kings and queens used to rule the country from. And there's a lot of architecture there from that time. That's only three or four, three hours on the train. I think it's quite comfortable. Or you could drive there. If you drive there, you're going over the Haivan Pass, which is another one that we should talk about. Yeah, yeah, tell us the famous High Van Pass. It sounds scary, doesn't it? But it is a bit. Like when you're driving up there, you have to have a good motorbike to drive up there and it's twisting and turning and going up and up. And the, and you look down and there's all untouched 
jungle and untouched beaches below you and you keep going up and you, then you're in the clouds and then when you start coming down you're freezing cold and then you come down and at the bottom there there's a really nice little town and you can have some really good seafood there and then when you come and then come back and there's another that's probably about another that's a half day trip and be prepared for that weather, for the cold and the rain, because I've had, I've actually not done the full high van pass, but I've had friends do it and it was miserable because they were, they just got so cold and wet from doing that. <laughs> um, you're in the bottom and you, and it's sunny and warm and wearing t-shirts. And then by the time you get to the top, it's like you're in a different season. So another thing you can do, and you don't even get much time for this, is to go to the Lady Buddha on Sumtra. Peninsula. You can see Sontra Peninsula and the Lady Buddha when you're on the Mian Beach. And the Lady Buddha is this huge statue. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a big, a huge statue like that before. And it's epic. And she stands on the mountainside and she prays for everyone in the bay. I think that's the story behind it. Yeah, she looks over everybody who's swimming in the bay and I think she was built to give Da Nang some good luck because that side of the bay was where a lot of people used to invade from, like the French and I think the Chinese invaded from there. And so the Lady Buddha was put there to protect people. So you can go up there to the pagoda and walk around and just see some nice views of the city from there. But you can drive up there. It's the best way. You can get a taxi, but I recommend renting a motorbike and taking you up there. And Suntra continues on after you get to the Lady Buddha and you can just go and probably get lost in there. There's some hikes in Suntra too, but I would ask someone who's local before you start hiking there. I've heard of some stories of tourists getting lost up there for the night. Well, I remember my first trip in Da Nang was we rented motorbikes and went all the way up there. And But one of the coolest things to do in that region is there's lots of motorbike tours, right? Yeah, there is. Easy Rider is a well-known name. And if you don't fancy driving your own motorbike, they will supply you with the driver. And you sit on the back and you can relax and take photos if you're not very confident in their driving. But yeah, um, some are treacherous, aren't they? Yeah, they are. But if you're confident driving, it's one of the best ex- best things you can do in Vietnam. Now, also tell me as well, we can't talk about anywhere in Vietnam without talking about the food. Now, I, it's definitely one of the reasons I've been in Vietnam so long. The food is amazing. Everyone talks about it. But from what I've learned, there is three different distinct areas, regions of Vietnam when it comes to food. Now, the Saigon in the south, the food's a little bit sweeter. In the north, in Hanoi, it's saltier. And then in the central region, it's spicier. Yeah, I've heard that too. I don't think it's really that spicy in the middle. Yeah, some flavors are different. I know it's sweeter in Saigon. <laughs> yeah, I remember I was in, I was having lunch with a bunch of Vietnamese colleagues and one guy had just moved down from Oi and he couldn't eat the food. They had a hot pot and he was, this is just too sweet. And I'd never really noticed it because I'm just so used to it. But when I was in Da Nang, we got Bun Tit Nung, which is one of my favorite dishes. And I can see it was spicier. It was a lot spicier. I added the fish sauce and the chili like I would normally do, just doused it on. And then I was eating and I was like, oh my goodness, this is so hot. So I, that, I think it, it is a lot hotter. And then the language is different as well, right? It's a different Vietnamese, not even a dialect, like a different language almost in the central region, right? Yeah, I think that's right. My wife can't understand some 
some of her friends who are local to here sometimes and she switched to English so they can get clarification. Yeah. <laughs> I've had that. I would, when I was there with my friend Kim, she was trying to speak to the server in Vietnamese and they couldn't understand each other. So switch to English is amazing. So for tourists, you don't worry about it because let's be honest, I've been here six years and Alan's probably the same and barely speaks a word of Vietnamese because it's so difficult. So if you're a tourist, you're not going to be able to speak Vietnamese in the South and North or the Central. But if you have picked up some words in Saigon or Hanoi, they're probably not going to be useful in the central region so just be aware that the language is different yeah i agree but i mean tourists usually learn basic ones like hello and beer things like that and that doesn't change so much no i know that danang and hoi an and the whole region up there has been massively affected like the rest of vietnam not only by covid but really affected by the weather recently and it's had a huge impact on the tourism industry so you've been up there what does that mean for, what has that meant for the tourist industry? And what does it mean for tourists who are maybe listening to this and thinking, is it, should I go back to Da Nang and Hoi An? Is it ready to, is it ready to accept tourists again? Yeah, absolutely. It's ready to accept tourists. We have had a few bad storms this year and last year there was some too, but it doesn't really affect the service, the services in Da Nang and Hoi An. When it floods, it's only... It seems like it's only a problem for a week or two and everything, everyone cleans up really quickly. So the weather isn't really something that you have to worry about. You're not going to be stuck in a flood, in a flash flood or anything like that. But it is quite wet around this time of year. For a couple of months, it's pretty much raining every day. And so I wouldn't come to Da Nang in this season in December and January. I'd wait until February to come to this region, to the central region. So just reiterate that. When is the best time? Because it is really important to know when to go somewhere. So when is the best time to go to Da Nang and Hoi An central region? Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think it's really important to know if, uh, when to come because if you did come at this time, I think you'd be quite disappointed. You, would, you wouldn't really be able to swim in the ocean and do things like that. In July and August is very hot. I think probably the best time would be March, where the rainy season has gone. It's a little bit cooler. Tet has finished as well. Tet is the Vietnamese New Year. A lot of places in Dang shifts for that time, and people go back to their hometowns. So yeah, after Tet, which is in early February, late January, after that, so March is the best time. And then... One thing you may, I mentioned in your introduction, you've done, you've been to off the beaten track locations and you're in this over touristed world, some might say, lots of tourists want to get off the beaten track and they want to find the hidden gems. They don't want to go to all the places that everyone else goes to. So what are some hidden gems in Da Nang and the central region that you think tourists maybe miss and that you could advise people to go to? My favorite place in Vietnam is Sabang, the, the area where they have the world's biggest caves. And it's like Howlong Bay, but undiscovered, largely undiscovered. That's and a good one. The, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. It has the same kind of limestone mountains, but the and it's a bit like Nimbin too. But Sonia seems to be still off the beaten track. And every time I've been there, it's been quite empty, and I can do a tour with just a couple of people and. 
cheap and not not very um, touristy and developed. There's still a lot of homestays and things like that there that you can stay in. If you're heading south, you can go to Huignon, and that's quite a nice beach town. And if you keep going, you get to Natran and Munay. And these little cities are really lovely, and they're great stop-off locations as you head south. No, that's good. Those are great recommendations. I haven't been to Fong Nha yet. It doesn't have an airport. Once it has an airport, that's when it's going to get too busy. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't have an airport, but if you want to get to Fong Nha, then you can get a train to Dong Hoi, and then you can take a taxi. It only takes about 40 minutes from Dong Hoi. I think you can fly to Dong Hoi as well. But that is a great kind of hidden gem because those things... You know, when people are booking their trips, it's yeah, Da Nang, Hoi An, it's easy to get to those taxis. And, but as soon as you start to move away from those main centers, it starts to get a little bit more difficult. You know, you can't get a grab maybe out there. You've got to get a taxi. You've got to get a homestay. But those are, that's where the, that's when it gets really exciting. So no, that's a good one as well. And then the last thing I want to talk about is we mentioned about when you were doing, when you're writing and one of your passions is taking photographs and this was something that not surprised me, but I didn't know about before I came to Vietnam was how big a thing it is to do photography tools in Vietnam. And I've, I know photographers, I've seen the images. Some of them are famous worldwide. So why is it why is it such a big thing to do photography tools in Vietnam? I think photography tours are really popular in Vietnam. I think because I think Vietnam is still an off the beaten track location country compared to say Thailand where you can speak English to almost anybody there and in Thailand I feel like the tourism industry is really used to tourists going around taking photos whereas in Vietnam I think tourism is not developed in the same way and maybe people feel a little bit nervous to be walking around with a camera especially going into places where they might not feel welcome, but to be honest, that's just there. That's not accurate. I think Vietnamese people are really welcoming. They're just not so used to tourists walking around with big cameras and things like that. So I think a photography tour is really helpful for people because on a photography tour, you can meet people. I did a photography tour in Da Nang with a company called Vietnam is Vietnam in focus. And we offer these tours through our website too. And the guide took me to some places I didn't even know existed in Demang. And if I was alone, I might've felt a bit nervous, but the tour guide had spent a lot of years doing this route on the tour and getting to know locals that are often there. And so it was really great for me to talk with them too and for an insight into their daily life which if I was alone I wouldn't have had the confidence to go up and talk to people and get my camera in their face and I know people who've run photo tours and yeah it sounds amazing and because I remember one of the one of the guys was telling me he knows a little bit of Vietnamese and has that confidence like you say to walk up to somebody in a hut in a field and say hello and just that little bit of pleasantries you'll get invited in for a cup of tea sit down, maybe even have a beer or some rice wine. They'll let you take pictures. And you just wouldn't get that experience without a tour. I mean, if you just rocked up in a rice paddy with your camera and just started walking about taking pictures on your own, you'd definitely get some strange looks. And it would take a lot of confidence to do that by yourself. So 
when you go on a tour from what I understand, I've not been on one, but from what I understand, you can get some just stunning pictures. So what is it about the imagery in Vietnam that makes it so stunning? Good question. It's still a wild country. There's still a lot of wild areas and it hasn't been tamed by tourism. There's still people doing some crazy things in every corner, especially in Ho Chi Minh City, the big cities. I think it's got so much rural depth to it too. I traveled in Singapore recently and doing photography there was quite fun, but it was just a bit like going around London, except with nicer weather. Obviously, they've still got their, their strong cultural things, but I think it's a lot stronger in Vietnam. People are still very traditional here. They have a lot of traditional practices that they do that you can see when you walk on the street in terms of in terms of the nature that is here, like I said, there's a lot of wild areas that, that haven't been developed and you can get some really raw and un- unique imagery from the scenery here. And for me as well, it's just like the colors are so, so bright and so stunning. You've got to a rice paddy at the right time and the green. Is, I remember thinking the, that adjective verdant, like verdant green. You don't use that for any other color, right? Like it's only used, you only associate verdant with green, but it's just the best adjective to describe these glowing verdant green rice paddies. And then you've got the sun coming down and there's the beautiful colors of orange. And then, or if it's in the daytime, the sky is so blue. And so you've just, and then maybe you'll have a purple flower or you'll have somebody wearing traditional dress. So that's always for me is that imagery as well as just really bright, bold colors that look really good in a picture. Yeah. And really unique to Vietnam too. The traditional clothes and traditional food and traditional ceremonies and things like that. They're not hidden away. They're out on the streets. We've covered a lot in the central region. Where can people find out how to book tours on Vietnam is Awesome? What should people do? Where should they go? So go on to vietnamisawesome.com, click on book experiences, and then you can filter through different cities depending on where you want to have a tour you can filter through different travel styles as well if you like fast paced or if you're into museums or food tours we have a great way to filter to find exactly what you need through there and looking is easy and then also as you mentioned right in the beginning as well you went onto the vietnam is awesome facebook page and the group and you went in there for advice so tell travelers listening to this what kind of questions can they ask? What can they find on the social media page? So yeah, if you join the Vietnam is Awesome group, you can you can ask for recommendations for where to stay, where to go, when to go. There's a lot of expats there. So if you want to know something more detailed, if you want to know where the best cocktail is in Ho Chi Minh City, someone on the group will know. If you're here and you're traveling alone, you could post on there and say, hey, is anyone traveling to, is there anyone traveling in Hanoi? I'm alone. Would you like to travel together? I see that sometimes. You can post your photos on there or you could go back. I love it when people post their pictures because you get to see so much more of Vietnam and some and people just take stunning photographs these days, especially when you just need your camera is a stunning, sorry, your phone is a stunning camera. So it's always good when people share those pictures. So that's always a good one to do as well. So yeah, check out the Vietnam is Awesome Facebook page, the group, check out the website to get more information about where to go. So before we finish, we're going to finish with the same four questions that I'm going to ask every guest at the end of a Vietnam is Awesome podcast. Number one, 
What is a good 24-hour itinerary in Da Nang? If you have 24 hours in Da Nang, I would start with some speciality food from the region, either a Hai or a Khao Lao. Khao Lao is my favorite. The best place to get Khao Lao is in Hoi An. So if in the morning I would go to Hoi An while, the, while it's not too hot, take a little boat ride along the river. And then after you walked around the old town there and had your breakfast and had an egg coffee, then come back to Da Nang. It's, Hoi An's not so far away, so it is easy to do it if you have limited time. So after Hoi An, you come back to Da Nang around lunchtime. That'd be a great time to go to the beach and have some lunch next to the beach. And when you, and then after you finish, you right next to Suntrap Mountain. You can go up to the Lady Buddha, walk around. There's also a, an art museum quite close to Lady Buddha, like a historical art museum there. Quite interesting. And then you would be ready for sunset. And if you continue around the side of Sancho Mountain on your motorbike, there's a few little areas where it's quite nice to have a picnic and you can see the city from there. And then at night, I would go and have Biwag or Kaolau again and try to enjoy some live music. You'll probably hear it if you walk through the streets in Mian. You'll find it. What's, one of my favorite places to go is the workshop. And we've done some comedy shows up there. Chris up there is a great guy. It's a great place to go. So check out the workshop. That's always good. And then one of the things, so Mi Wang is actually one of my favorite foods. And where I live in Saigon, there's a Mi Wang restaurant across from my front door. And I go there at least once a week. And it's one of these strange Vietnamese foods that I don't know if it's breakfast, lunch or dinner, because I can literally eat it for breakfast, lunch or dinner. And I went by it just this morning and at breakfast time, it was I was like, wow, how's it so busy? And my wife's because like, it's a breakfast food. And I was like, oh, yeah, so it is. Because that, but then you go at lunch, it's packed at lunch. You go at dinner time, it's packed at dinner time. It's just one of the most, yeah, it's one of the most flavorful Vietnamese dishes are, are, there is. Yeah, I think it's quite friendly for travelers. It's not so, the flavor isn't so strong. It's not, it's not, it's not a fish sore. It's quite palatable for travelers. Yeah, for sure. It's non-offensive, shall we say. You don't need to be too brave to try mm. me wine. So next question, what is life like for locals in Da Nang? Quite relaxing. It's a lot slower pace than Ho Chi Minh City in, in Hanoi, for sure. A typical day off is spent going to the beach or walking along the river. I have a dog, so it gets me out and about quite a lot. It's a great place if you like walking and enjoying the outdoors. And what's the main economy for locals up there? There is in this region, there's a lot of international trade. There's a lot of textile areas, textile um, workshops and factories. There's also an industrial park there with a big technology park. A lot of people do that. There isn't a lot of people who are involved in tourism, but I think that's going to change in the next 10 years. But I, I think in the future, that would be the main source of income for Danang. But it's probably not there yet. So what, you've obviously, you obviously like living there. So why is that a good place to live? There's a lot of space, a lot of space to live, to breathe, to run, to do sports and to swim and to get outside. That's my kind of thing. I know people like the big cities like Hanoi and Ho Chi Minh, where there's lots of restaurants and bars to go to. But in Da Nang, you have less options for 
that, but a lot more options for camping and hiking and outdoorsy kind of stuff. That's why I like living. And I can, someone listening from say Australia or someone like that might be like, what do you mean there's more space? The space. But I can tell you're seeing this from the perspective of someone who's lived in Ho Chi Minh City, where if you've been to Ho Chi Minh City, there is no space to do anything. It's one of the densest cities in the world. You can't go camping, you can't go hiking, you can't run outside because there's too much pollution. So I can see why Da Nang would be a very good place to live. And last question, we've convinced someone listening they're going to go to Da Nang. Where should they go next in Vietnam? We talked about it before. My favorite place, Phong Bang. That, that would be the next place I go to. I think it depends where they've come from. If they've come from the north and they're on their way down south, I would go to some of those towns along the coast, like Nha Trang. But I think another one that we should definitely mention is Dalat. And I would go there before, before I finish my trip. It's a mountain town with a lot of beautiful lakes and flowers, things like that. Beautiful. That leads in nicely. Maybe our next podcast will have to be about Dalat. We'll see. But if you have enjoyed this podcast, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Alan for joining me today and sharing his experience of Da Nang. It makes me want to go back up there. I do love Da Nang as well, so I want to go back up there soon. So thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks, Leon. So I'm Neil Mackay. I'm your host of the Vietnam is Awesome podcast. We're here to help you discover the real Vietnam with awesome experiences. So make sure you go check out our social media pages, Vietnam is Awesome and go to the website, vietnamisawesome.com, so you can see more about tours, read the blog, see pictures, give you everything you need to know about your trip to Vietnam. If you have enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to follow, subscribe, all of that good stuff, share it with people, send us any questions that you have, and we'll be more than happy to help you. So, Alan, cheers. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. It can be your internet service provider, or you know who, looking at what you do online, or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease. And I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast.
Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to the show. Cheers.